0: After weeks of speculation, it has now been reported that Mark Lasry has reached an agreement to sell his stake in the Milwaukee Bucks. What would a partial ownership change mean for the Milwaukee Bucks? And I'm seeing a lot of concerned people on my Twitter timeline. So we're going to just delve through some of the questions that have arisen from today's news and what it could mean ultimately big picture for the Milwaukee Bucks. max him down. Giannis
1: into the lane. Giannis spinning.
0: on Bucks. My name's Kane Pittman. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast Frank Madden. And as always we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every single day whether it's old school, audio style YouTube style. We appreciate the support. Make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you listen or take in this uh, fine Milwaukee Bucks content on. Uh, Subscribe Drop a comment, drop a like, it's all free to do all this stuff. We'll take very, very little time, uh, but it very much helps us, which we absolutely appreciate because the reality is uh, we aren't millionaires and we're not billionaires, but we're going to talk about some people that have a lot of money on today's podcast and we're going to get straight into the news. So first of all, I will just say this, a little bit of housekeeping tomorrow, the Bucs play the Brooklyn Nets. And also, as we record this, the Milwaukee Bucks had the best record in the NBA, the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Who would have thought? we love to see it. The Knicks got the job done against the Boston Celtics uh, just a few minutes ago as we're recording this. So the Bucks, best record in the NBA. Uh, there won't be post-game tomorrow. I just need to put that on the record here at the start so people hear this. I will uh, we'll make it up to you, though. And I'm thinking we'll make it up to you with a weekend podcast after this Sixers game because people are going to be really fascinated into that. There's something I, I can't podcast tomorrow. So just putting that on the record. All right, let's get to today's news, though, Frank. And I'm going to pull up the tweet that came through. That well, first off,
1: can, can, before we get into the, like, frost yes. stuff that is not as fun, um, as, as you know, probably as, as long-time listeners of this podcast know, I am a uh, player hater. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like the Dave Chappelle sketch that player haters ball I frequently reference that in terms of the way I consume NBA content. (laughs) I love an off night viewing of the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia seven or Sixers watching those teams lose. I will probably the most games that I watch uh, randomly on league pass involve me uh, tuning in, hoping to see those those teams lose. Um, You know, I'm dead inside other than when Giannis and the bucks give me life. Uh, So what what a banner, what a banner off night uh, for, for the bucks you mentioned, obviously. The Bucks, at least for a moment, right? I'm, I'm totally teeing up the jinx for the Bucs to lose uh, against the Brooklyn Nets to, to go back in the second place. But uh, but my Knicks, my my New York Knicks, Kane, love my Knicks. Um, come, Bing come bong. Through. Bing bong, come through with the 15-point win. Jason Tatum, 6 of 18, 14 points. He gets thrown out for arguing calls. I mean, you, you just, you hate to see it. And by that, I mean you love to see it. Um, and the Sixers, James Harden misses a potential game winning three against the heat, man, what a rare night where I get to root for the Miami heat, but, uh, Jimmy Butler exacting some revenge on Joel Embiid and his former friends, uh, in Philly. So Bucks now have a four game, uh, are up four in the loss column against the Sixers, which, you know, felt like a couple days ago, it was two, you know, one or two games. And now the Sixers have lost a couple straight, including that Boston game. So again, uh, we always have these debates, right? We were talking about it before the Saturday game, whether, you know, we should be rooting when the Celtics and Sixers play each other. Is it better for the Bucs for one or the other to win? Hey, tonight's even better. Would they both lose and gives the Bucs a a little boost? So we'll, we'll see, obviously no, no guarantees of anything, but uh, probably the, uh, other than the, you know, just schadenfreude uh, uh, viewing that I had tonight, the other big news, obviously Giannis listed as probable, uh, today on the injury report for Tuesday's game, they do have the back-to-back. So, I mean, my expectation of a back-to-back Giannis night against the nets and then, uh, against the magic, I certainly wouldn't expect him to play in both of those games. Um, but the upside is, uh, he seems very close to playing the quad contusion that he left, uh, the game uh, on Sunday or on uh, Friday with, uh apparently is obviously is, is healing up. So shout out to Giannis. And, uh, of course me saying, talking about Giannis injuries moments after talking about rooting for other teams demise, I'm, I'm setting up, you know, bad things for myself karmically, but, uh, whatever that's, that's, uh, I'll, I'll live with that. But, but anyway, so that's, that's our, that's our league update, um, for, for the day, I suppose. But, uh, I guess we, we should talk about some, some ownership news given, uh, given things seem to be, uh, Uh, Not just in the works, but really happening uh, on that front for the Milwaukee Bucks.
0: No doubt about it. But it is very smart of you to get to the positive stuff first to start this podcast. (laughs) That is some real (laughs) podcast craft from Frank Madden. This is a man that has podcasted hundreds and hundreds, uh, should I say thousands of times. So this is a guy that knows how to work his way through. And when we're going to get into the weeds and some stuff that people are a little bit concerned about, let's be real. Start it with just reminding everyone that as of today, February twenty eighth, here in Australia, February 27, probably over the in other parts of the world. The Bucks have the best record in the NBA. And I went through and looked at some lineup stuff just very quickly. Giannis and Middleton have played 223 minutes together. Giannis, Middleton, Holiday have played 121 minutes together. If you just had a just blatantly said that at the start of the season and said you're going to get to the start of March and you're going to have the best record in the NBA. There's just no way that you could possibly have made yourself believe that that could be the case. So as much as we've gone through the ups and downs and we've asked all these questions and we've had to be patient, and to be honest, we still have to be a little bit patient because we're not quite there on the health stuff, the Bucs have done a fantastic job. And for all those people out there screaming that this is the case for Giannis to be MVP, I'm with you. It's a very strong case to be made when you just look at those numbers there. And what Giannis has done, but he also and and, and
1: if if not just that, but if someone had told you Kane that the Milwaukee Bucks would be, depending on which sort of uh, website you look at, they'd be either like 18th, 19th, or 23rd oh, yeah. of yeah. rating, you know, like the idea that you'd be missing uh, as much time from the big three as you've had, and that the offense would have struggled, you know, as much as they have since you'd have to go back to the kid era, um, that you'd still be in this position is is pretty remarkable, and again, just goes back to not just how good Drew Holiday has been, not just how good Brooke Lopez has been. Obviously, Giannis goes out saying Chris Middleton rounding into form in a bit unfamiliar role here coming off the bench. Uh, but the defense, we talked about it last night, but let's say it one more time. The defense has just been awesome. And I, I think when you talk look at this win streak, the 14 game win streak, I mean, they, they haven't had like these like incredible performances night in and night out. You know, they've had um, a number of games that was kind of, like, eh, you know, like kind of probably closer than you'd like, whether it was the Celtics game. Um, you know, games maybe they feel like hey, they could have like won by more. They won some close games in there. But you know, to win 14 games in a row, I mean it's the most wins any team has had in the league in a row this year. Of course, there's going to be some close wins in there. And I choose to give the Bucks credit. I will not call them lucky. I would say they deserve those wins. They know how to play late in games. Oh, yeah. Oh, the clutch jeans. Drew Holiday, clutch player of the year candidate. Um, Chris Middleton coming back now, feeding Brooke Lopez. Um it's just, uh, you know, let's let's enjoy the goodness uh, when when we can. And, uh, again, just th- having night in and night out a great defense uh, just gives you a lot of freedom to, you know, you're, you can have nights where you actually don't shoot the ball well. You can have nights where you're not as sharp as you might otherwise want to be and, uh, you know, can sustain you. You're not they're, – they're not quite living and dying by the three as much because the defense gives them – uh, again some some extra degrees of freedom there so anyway okay i think we've got the warm the, the, the warm fuzzies out of the way uh if anybody you know doesn't want to wade into uh you know nba business uh billionaire capitalist uh evil whatever blah 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 stuff then then you can flip over now but uh, we we have an obligation here uh given how important the the topic of ownership is to a franchise we got to talk about this stuff a little bit so Cain, let's, let's tee it up. What did we learn today?
0: Well, we learned from a tweet uh, from Timmy Bontemps that started by saying Milwaukee Bucks co-owner Mark Lusry has reached an agreement to sell his portion of the Bucks to the Cleveland Browns owners Jimmy and D Haslam for $3. 4, a $3.5 billion valuation. He followed up by saying the $3.5 uh, billion valuation is the second highest for an NBA team ever, trailing only the $4 billion that Matt Ishbia purchased the Suns for earlier this month and the third highest for an American sports franchise, which is kind of remarkable, uh, behind the Denver Broncos sale last year. So that's just the facts. That's just just straight up. This was reported over the last few weeks. We knew that we were probably heading for a situation where Lazary was going to be out and the Haslam group was going to be in with the Milwaukee Bucks. And look, I'm not a huge NFL fan, as you know, but the first thing I think of when I read that is Look, I'm pretty well aware that the Cleveland Browns have not exactly been uh, brimming with success in my uh, time as an adult on this earth. So before I throw it to you, everyone, we're about to dive into the deep stuff here. So grab yourself a Built Bar and fuel up for the next portion of this podcast. And if you're looking for a delicious treat and don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. I don't know how they do it, but it is healthy. It's crazy to believe, but uh, it's covered in 100% real chocolate, which is uh, superb. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, but there is a whopping 17 grams of protein, so you can work on the guns. You can have your Built Bar before you go to the gym. Have it after a swim. I've just been at the pool swimming laps. I'm like uh, Ian Thorpe in the making here, uh, and, and, and Built Bar is getting me to that place. Now, you don't have to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at a local Walmart or Sam's Club. Uh, So just uh, pop out the house, grab a box, tuck into it. A little bit dangerous, the ease of access there, but it's healthy for you, so don't worry about that. So you can try all the flavors, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, and if you're close to a Sam's Club or Walmart, run in, grab that box right now, you can thank me later. Bill Barr, just a superb product. Ken, I.
1: Are you seriously, you're seriously trolling our friend, Eric named this badly. Eric tweets out at the exact, in the exact same time, 7.29 AM, this story that Eric was working on with Shams. And you go with the Tim Bontemps tweet to lead off the podcast. You're giving Tim Bontemps credit for this one over our guy Eric Name. I, I, I kept. I was waiting for you to, to to say that you were just screwing with our guy with our guy Eric, or maybe just trying to get a reaction out of him. But you're you're seriously just giving this to Tim Bontemps. Is that what's going on here? There's no loyalty to our our your friend Eric Name?
0: If I move out of the way here, you see what poster I got on the wall there, Frank. <laughs> Who is my primary employer? Who is my primary employer? The worldwide leader of sports, oh. ESPN i'm gonna look i'm gonna look after my man oh, timmy man. bontemps so on the social level love eric he's a great guy but uh shout out to timmy bontemps for breaking that this story with the scoop. With the big scoop.
1: oh wow it's a cutthroat business the new the news breaking game is a cutthroat business no room for for friends in the, in the news breaking business um yes i would say not a not a surprise that we heard this today right i when when the you know stories started to circulate that this was the direction that was being headed, obviously uh, the assumption was that it was being leaked to the media on the assumption that you know it was going to happen, and that you know the league had already you know maybe not officially signed off. Obviously, like the board of governors has to approve any sale like this, but uh, you you don't go into those sorts of things you know with a great degree of uncertainty, right? Um, And I think going back, I mean, I, I actually was, I was at the Timberwolves game in December, uh, late December when, um, you know, Jimmy Haslam was at that game with Wes Edens. And so, you know, this is literally going back months and months, sort of this, uh, this, this dance around trying to get Jimmy Haslam or somebody else, uh, to buy out Mark Lassery stake. And I think the general, it seems like the general storyline here is Matt Ishbia, uh, who was referenced there, the current record holder for uh, an NBA franchise valuation at 4 billion uh, was, you know, had had discussions with Mark Lazary and the Bucks about buying out that stake at the number that he ended up buying the, the Suns at. And I think by, by all indications, that like, I don't know that it was clear that, that Mark Lazarus was really looking to sell up until that happened, but obviously at that number, Clearly, uh, whether it was uh, he was actively literally looking to sell or perhaps it was just, you know, sort of the opportunistic side of just saying, you know, hey, him and Edens and Jamie Dinan and Mike Pastelli, they bought in at this $550 million valuation uh, from Herb Cole back in uh, 20, man, what was it, 2014, I guess, technically 2014, I guess. Um, It seemed like this was just sort of a decision to say, hey, you know what, Uh, this is a huge valuation and... I'm sure as well, you know, looking at the luxury tax payments, which we can talk about a bit more, and the payroll this team has this year, what they will likely have the next couple of years, knock on wood. Uh, as Bucks fans, you better hope that the Bucks continue to have massive payrolls because that's really the only thing that ownership at this point really should be doing is figuring out how to make sure that they keep this core together or continue to improve and invest in this team around Giannis. Um, but I'm sure part of this calculus was just like, I don't think the Bucks are making money right now, guys. You know, I'm sure they're losing money, uh, given that the payroll uh, has, I think, in the last like two, three years, has doubled essentially. Um, and so, I don't think they're making a whole lot of money right now. But when you look at the valuations of this franchise, obviously, uh, no one should be <laughs> no one should be shedding any tears for rich guys who invest in a team at 550 million. And within a decade, uh, see the valuation of that team go uh, shoot all the way up to three and a half billion. All those guys are going to make an absolute ton of money when all is said and done once eventually they sell out of this team. And, you know, if they have to swallow uh, some losses in the interim and, and other you thing know, things too is like, you know, whatever, man. Billionaires losing uh, 10, 10 million bucks, tens of millions of bucks uh, in a sports franchise. Eh, you know what? Leave it to the accountants. They'll figure out a way, you know. we've we've talked a lot about tax returns in this country these past few years for various reasons. There's advantages to losing money in certain respects, right? They'll be okay, right? Um, Hopefully that's why we're not hearing them cry poor uh, about about losses and things like that. So um, it is what it is. Obviously, I think if you were looking at this franchise, um, you know, 10 years ago, I think everybody thought Herb Cole, love you Herb. Thanks for keeping the team around. Good on you, good local boy but probably time to move on. Right. Uh, at the end of the Herb Kohler, I think everybody agreed it was time for some fresh blood. It was time for some fresh money, um, more money to be injected in this team. Someone that could sustain, uh, spending more money on this team and investing frankly, in the way that, uh, the, the current ownership group has really over the last couple of years, obviously you look at their tenure, Malcolm Brogdon, obviously not resigning Malcolm Brogdon. You could say that was, uh, a money thing, right? They didn't want to pay at that point, didn't want to go to tax at that point. The PJ Tucker decision, obviously that seemed to be in no small part of money decision. But other than that, they've pretty much spent as much money as you could possibly spend. And so if you're a Bucks fan right now, I mean, does anybody really want to change anything dramatically? You know, again, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think you, you want to you can't be, uh, you know, you want to be at least a bit proactive thinking about the roster and you know, how do you continue to sort of extend uh, the window with Giannis and, and continue to build around him. But from just an organizational standpoint, I think you look at where the Bucks are right now, best record in basketball, having won a championship, you have, you know, the best player in the world, the guy that everybody would want to have on their team. You're really just trying to maintain your continuity throughout the organization, right? So you're not saying like, Oh, we need to get in, you know, new ownership, whatever it might be. But that said, that's where we are we are at the point now of of jimmy haslam and his wife d which we should call out as well his wife d haslam um you know is officially i believe a co-owner of uh with uh with jimmy haslam of the browns she's um you know again she's not somebody that just sort of came along she has a decades-long career in business as well um so i'm sure we should expect to see both jimmy and d haslam uh active in the community active around the franchise We'll see when exactly we may actually be introduced to them, when the sale goes final, et cetera. Um, but I think if we've been to interrogate this and try to figure out, okay, what does Jimmy Haslam coming in mean? I think there's a couple of things, All right? Let's start with the, let's start with the, the, the most obvious positive. If you believe sort of the net worth Forbes rankings, things like that, Jimmy Haslam has more money than any of the Bucks other owners. So that would be a good thing, right? Mark Lazar, I think generally his, his net worth is, again, for whatever these things are worth, right? Who knows how much liquid cash these guys have access to the kinds of things that impact their willingness to, to spend money and, and lose money funding a basketball team year in and year out. But Mark Lazar, I think generally was at like 1.8 billion was his net worth. A decent chunk of that presumably obviously coming with his ownership of the bucks. Jimmy Haslam just shy of, of 5 billion, which is West Edens is pretty close to that as well. So uh, again, having deeper pockets, I think, let's be honest, in today's day and age, in the world of you know, Steve Ballmer's NBA, um, in the world of you know, the Golden State Warriors, where their owners are not super rich, but the Warriors as a team just freaking print money, um, having owners with deep pockets who are willing to pay huge astronomical luxury tax bills every year, that is the ultimate value you can get from an owner. And I think, you know, it's often been said that, you know, the number one kind of, especially the most, maybe most underrated competitive advantage that not just a basketball team, but any team can have is in its ownership group and having smart owners who ideally would bring two things, open pocketbooks and a willingness to an ability to hire competent people and then let those people just do their job and kind of stand back and say, all right, you know what, I'm not going to get too involved. So if we kind of start with that as the lens I think you would say Bucks ownership the last couple of years in particular, again, with the exception of maybe that PJ decision, have generally spent about as much money as you could hope a Milwaukee sports franchise could spend, you know, compare that to the Brewers who are perpetually down the, the, uh, the spending charts every year um, and make typically have made a lot of money. The Bucks have spent an absolute ton of money. They're right now fourth, uh, in terms of total payroll, including tax in the NBA. And they should be because they have a chance to win an NBA championship. Um, so the positive side, again, is Jimmy Haslam has a lot of money. Uh, his company, uh, Flying J Pilot, was, was bought out for the most part by uh, Berkshire Hathaway, I think about six, seven, six, five, six years ago. And so reading up on kind of his background, there's a really good, um, it's kind of more of an expose, let's be, I'll be honest, uh, than anything of him and how he operates that ESPN did. Uh, Seth Wickersham wrote this in 2019 and at the time the Cleveland Browns, which are one of two teams professional teams that he owns, the Browns sucked and Jimmy Haslam's tenure there was very, I would say, problematic on a couple different fronts. And I would say again a lot has happened since then. The Browns have actually made the playoffs since then. They've been kind of mediocre the last two years, but certainly Cleveland's situation has improved the last couple of years. Um, in terms of uh, where they've gone as a franchise. But for the most part, I think it's a really interesting article in terms of insight into Jimmy Haslam and Dee Haslam and kind of how they have operated, um, the types of decisions they've made, the way that they've treated people, um, to some extent, the willingness to spend money. But to be honest, in the NFL, I don't know that a willingness to spend money is quite as obvious just because you have a hard cap. So everybody can just kind of spend the same amount of money and the league makes so much money that, you know, again, it's not quite like it was, especially a decade ago in basketball or even now to some extent. Um, But I think a couple of things kind of mind. So the willingness to spend, you hope that that is there. You hope that part of the thesis for this move from the other Bucks owners. So again, Wes Edens, uh, Jamie Dynan and Mike Facitelli. Again, there's a number a bunch of other kind of local, guys and, and gals who have interest and, and positions in the bucks, but those are very small relative to that group of three. Um, again, roughly speaking, we've always sort of assumed Eden's Lazary and Dinan had about 25% each. Fastelli has less than that, but but still a decent chunk. Um, hopefully the number one motivator here is the fact that Jimmy Haslam has indicated he's willing to spend money, which in the case of the Bucs means willingness to bring back Brook Lopez, willingness to bring back Chris Middleton to a lesser extent willingness to bring back Jay Crowder and Joe Ingalls pain I do want to throw a shout out to, to of course, we hope that they can keep Joe Ingalls, whatever that might cost. Um, so that's, I think the, 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 the starting point. And again, all this at this point is speculation. And that's the hard part with anything. Anytime we talk about ownership is that on the one hand, it is hugely important when you think about the long-term kind of, you know, um direction of the franchise the decision making of this franchise the fate of this franchise you know when you talk about like the duration of decades you know Janis is only going to be here so long as a player you know even if he retires here maybe you have a decade of Giannis, but owners can stay multiple decades and so again in terms of competitive advantage owners are the most underrated part of that the mo- probably the least talked talked part least least uh the least talked about part of that and decidedly the most unsexy part of that. Uh, but they're hugely important. And again, I would say, when you look at the Bucks over the last decade, you would have to say that ownership delivered, right? Again, we can say a few different points. They maybe didn't spend as much money as we like. Um, the John Horse justin Zanuck saga was messy to say the least. But at the end of the day, uh, obviously the results have spoken for themselves. And even if they did not draft Giannis Adetokounmpo, they have ultimately. They ultimately, after uh, some missteps with the Jason Kidd era, they ultimately figured out how to build around him, bring in the right coaching staff around him, and win a championship, which was always the goal. And so, Mark Lazary, hey, he, he's going to leave this team, and I mean, pretty good deal. You show up, spend ten years here, build an arena, revitalize a whole part of downtown, win an NBA championship. Of course, you know, owners always take you know heat for things that they don't do things that, that fans believe they should have done. Um, but he gets to ride into the sunset, pretty much live in the dream when you think about the the NBA ownership experience. And oh, by the way, he also gets about a 5X return <laughs> on the amount of money he invested. So, so that's a pretty good deal. Um, I think with Jimmy Haslam, we know the money could be there. You have to hope that that will be there. I'm sure the questions at the press conference, there will be inevitably questions. And the question, first question that should be asked is, what are you willing to spend how much are you willing to spend? And is there any point at which you will not spend to bring back the core part of this roster? Um, but I think the other component of this, and I'll, I'll give a little bit of a pause here, Kane, for you so that I can catch my breath since I've been droning on here for a while. We talked about it last week with Myers Leonard, right? A random end of the bench guy. We talked about how, as fans, you can judge who you want to root for and don't want to root for, who you want on your team, who you don't want on your team. I mean, there's no rules on that, right? Myers Leonard obviously made mistakes says this anti-Semitic slur on a live stream. And if you don't want him on your basketball team, Hey, that's totally within bounds. You're a fan, right? You don't, you don't owe Myers Leonard anything. And kind of similar with, with owners, right? Jimmy Haslam, you look at his history and we can get into that a little bit. Um, You know, there was a, a fraud case against pilot flying J, which he was not criminally implicated in, but which there were, certainly a fair bit of evidence that says he was aware of essentially um, a rebate scheme where, you know, kind of small businesses were taken advantage of were not given money back. And I think total dollars were something like $60 million was essentially stolen over the course of many years from, from businesses. And uh, a number of, I think over a dozen uh, executives from J were convicted of wrongdoing in this. So there's absolutely there with that. Uh, And if you don't want to, Kind of focus on the business side of things. You look at his tenure with Cleveland and the missteps that they had, the struggles they've had. Um, a guy that I think has admitted he's still trying to figure out how he, you know, how do you best run a franchise that there's no playbook for. You. you have to kind of do it for yourself. Um, hopefully, in Milwaukee, coming into a situation where there is a ton of stability, and really, it's just about letting the people who've been doing the work continue to do the work. You will not see the same degree of you know, meddling and, um, you know, heavy handedness uh, that you saw in Cleveland where he was principal owner and didn't have sort of a similar to similar situation of sharing ownership. But, um, but absolutely. If, if you want to take a look at this and, you know, think that the sky is falling. Well, I mean, yeah, there's, there's reasons to dislike Jimmy Haslam to be skeptical of Jimmy Haslam to have concerns about him potentially, you know, taking what's working well and being, Somebody that potentially pushes the Bucks off that course. There's definitely a history of that, um, but by the same token, we don't know. He's never owned an NBA team. He's never been a you know part investor on an NBA team. He was uh, a minority investor in the Pittsburgh Steelers before he ended up buying the Cleveland Browns. Um, so I would say at this point, there's more that we don't know than more th- than what we do know in terms of what he's going to bring to Milwaukee Bucks as a potential. Um, you know, 25% owner of this franchise. But again, I don't begrudge anybody for being skeptical or being concerned. Um, and I think certainly, um, you know, having, uh, let's just say this, I would be wary of anybody who is just completely optimistic and assuming everything is going to go great. Um, but by the same token, I, I also can't come into this feeling like I know exactly how this is going to go and that, you know, Jimmy Haslam is going to which is like that that can really impact the bucks in the very short term. Um, So again, I think unfortunately as important as this is, it's hard to really speak with a whole lot of certainty, but the only certainty I think there is, is that this is going to be ultimately a a hugely influential part of the bucks future. And for the most part though, we're going to have to wait and see kind of how it plays out and what his role ultimately is and what kind of decision-making he ultimately supports.
0: Well, that was uh that was some impressive stuff there frank i gotta say we're already at the end of the we're already at the end of the show here and i only asked uh, one question but very comprehensive much better than i would have been able to do it and i know you did the research into this but ultimately i think this offseason is going to tell us a lot as you said that's when we'll probably learn the first major things that we we hope this team is going to continue to be successful and they're not going to try and cut money and all those types of things so Look, I think, honestly, you covered most of it, but I do need to uh, pay some of my own bills because, as I said, I am not a billionaire, which uh, reminds me of our friends at LinkedIn because, you know, Mark Lassery might be looking for a new job. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how he wants to approach this, but if you are someone who is looking to hire someone, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster, and for free, it's the most important part. So you just add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. and That spreads the word that you are hiring. You can lose uh, simple tools like screening questions and make it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire LinkedIn jobs. Helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockedonmba. That's linkedin.com slash lockedonmba. To post your job for free, Terms and conditions apply. So, I guess the only the only question that I really wanted to get to with you with this, um, but I think you basically covered it there, is that I, I think we're going to see mixed reactions in the comments on YouTube in terms of how people feel about this. And I am a little bit removed, obviously. I mean, I didn't I didn't grow up in Milwaukee. I didn't feel to the level that I'm sure the locals did. The threat of the team moving and all those types of things. I think anyone that's watched this team for a long time, you get a connection to the team and and I lived in the city. So I obviously have a connection to the city as well. And it would be um, you know, pretty upsetting even for me as a complete outsider if anything ever happened like that. So I was obviously thrilled that the team was able to stay, but those are the first things I see. And I see people already talking about that. And there's probably always going to be a fear in the back of people's mind when outsiders come into the franchise. But what I'm sensing from you is just that you're cautious about what could happen, but it's more of a wait and see than than ready to be really upset or concerned about what's going to happen.
1: Well, I mean, a couple of notes on this, right? I think uh, if you look at the, as far as like the, you know, the idea of like could could the bucks be moved or whatever. Um, there is not like the ironclad lease, like there, you know, there's not, it's not a situation where the bucks could never be moved or something like that, even with the um, arena deal that was was made, basically the, I think, and again, if anybody feels otherwise, from everything I've read about it, um, the substance of the arena deal, essentially that they could move at some point, but they would just have to repay the roughly $250 million um, funding that came from the state to support the building of Pfizer forum, which, you know, let's be honest. Like, if if, if it was 250 million dollars that was required to prevent your you know to enable a move from somebody that really wanted to move the bucks, right? And again, I don't think that's really the case. That's not something I'm concerned about with the current ownership group. Plus, Jimmy Haslam sort of coming in here as as a minority uh, investor. I think um, you know if if you had if 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 the entire ownership group decided to to sell the team to someone you know from Seattle or something like that. Um, hmm. And, and then that person said, you know, oh, I can, I, can move my, I can move them to Seattle for only $250 million. Like that, that would actually at this point not really be that much money, right? In the grand scheme of the, the cost of a franchise. Um, you know, I don't want to say that $250 million is not a rounding error, um, but that's a tiny fraction of what these teams are now going for compared to when the current ownership group bought into them, right? I mean, $550 million, $100 million, they ended up essentially getting back from Herb Cole to plow into the building of Pfizer forum, shout out to Herb Cole for certainly doing everything that he could to make sure the bucks stayed in Milwaukee long-term. But, you know, I think you just think about other aspects of this, right? I mean, the current ownership group is also now heavily invested in, not just the Bucks and Pfizer forum, but in uh, a whole bunch of development that's happened around Pfizer forum. And again, of course, yes, they could sell that stuff, you know, fine. Right. But, um, you know, it, the, the, the whole value of that is, is intrinsically tied to the Milwaukee Bucks playing at Pfizer Forum. And again, you know, is that really part of the calculus here that they're going to try to, that they, you know, would let Jimmy Haslam convince them to move the team to, to Nashville or something like that? Um, again, I, anything is possible. If, if, if the time horizon is long enough, anything is possible, Right. Um, but as someone who I believe uh, around the trade deadline and talking about the 2029 first round pick, I believe I said, we, you know, we're, we'll probably all, all, all be dead by 2029 anyway. So, you know what, I'm not, worrying. I'm not, I'm not worrying about, you know, what could happen in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years um, with the Bucks lease. And, you know, could they, could they ever be be a threat to move the team again at that point? Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm, I'll live in the kind of, here and now I'll I'll be like Giannis I'm going to live in the present Kane uh I will not be blind to to the long-term potential of things but um but again it's uh it's a situation where yes things are possible but certainly I mean compared to where they were you know a decade ago when new ownership came in where there really was more of an imminent threat of the team being moved and especially if the team just not really being like financially appealing to operate at the Bradley Center at the time because again I mean you know it's not like um it, it's it, again it, it ultimately like it comes down to the nba and, and the owners themselves like whether they would do that right so it's not like you know there was some big bad evil um you know seattle billionaire that was gonna force the bucks to move or something like that if they didn't get an arena but um you know as bucks fans i would say i'm i'm very thankful that they figured out how to make the arena deal happen and again public funding is always a touchy subject. You can absolutely find arguments that, you know, it's never worth it for cities, things like that. But I think what we've seen in Milwaukee, I think, um, has been a great story. And, you know, just thinking back to two years ago, the crowds uh, in the Deer District, you know, coming out, bringing the city together. You can talk about economic, economic impact, what that mean meant from a dollars and cents perspective for the city. You know, now, I don't know if we've really talked a whole lot about the likelihood of potentially getting an all-star game here um, in, in a few years time, um, again, the, the, the payoff for, for what the arena deal meant for the city has been huge. And of course I am very biased and I don't even live in tech, in Wisconsin. So I can't, you know, it's not my tax uh, taxpayer dollars. Technically it is my parents' taxpayer dollars. Um, but I would hazard and say probably most of our listeners would agree. Like it's, it's been a really big win-win I think for everybody. And I think it continue it can continue to do so regardless of, of who's in the
0: ownership group from here on out. All right. So over to the listeners, let us know what you think, because uh, as Frank said and suggested uh, throughout all this conversation, I think there will be some varying opinions on what this means and people read their own stuff and have their own opinions on what this could mean. And I think overall, for the most part, when you've got something good going, you just want to keep it stable and just keep it as smooth as possible. So this is definitely some sort of ripple, whatever that means, uh, down the road I guess we're going to find out uh, pretty quickly but for the on-court stuff right now the Bucks have the best record in the NBA and they play tomorrow against the Brooklyn Nets so we'll look forward to the on-court stuff first Giannis might play uh, as, as Frank said it's a back-to-back get the magic the day after so we'll do a post-game podcast after the game against Orlando no podcast tomorrow just reminding you uh, there but we'll make it up to you over the weekend uh, also make sure you check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast recaps from around the NBA everything you need to know from the night's basketball including losses to the Boston Celtics and Philadelphia 76ers and the local experts will have you covered there so check out the locked on game to game podcast on your locked on NBA feed frank you know it's uh, you got to know your limitations in this business and uh, today's topic was not my uh, strong suit so thank goodness you I,
1: I mean I, I'm not saying it is mine either but um, you know based on at least my my simple reading of Uh, Jimmy Haslam's background Uh, and again I would read that ESPN story and I I know we gotta we gotta go because we'll get nasty grams about how long our podcasts are which again is always my fault Um, but uh, very interesting portrait of what he's like as a person I think he's definitely not like you would not say like the the I mean this was just this this story by Seth Wickersham definitely not a favorable story I would say Um, but it doesn't portray him as like a jerk or, you know, an egomaniac or something like that It definitely paints him as somebody who really wanted to succeed. Definitely leaned in probably more than he should have had a hard time committing to one plan, one vision, um, really wanted to listen to what people had to say, but perhaps, uh, that ended up working against him because it probably felt to many people like he was kind of playing people against each other and listening to, you know, everybody and maybe not getting kind of a single view of the world. Um, but also a guy that seemed to have a very sharp mind for kind of understanding, get, getting in and understanding kind of the nuances of everything from kind of front office machinations to playbook type stuff. Um, so I don't know, I, again, the, the best indicator of, of what he would be like in Milwaukee, obviously we don't have anything better than what he was like, and has been like in uh, Cleveland. Uh, I will say the Columbus crew came uh, in his second year of ownership did win the MLS cup in 2020. So, hey, look, I, I don't have any great insight on the, the, what, what they did in Columbus, but you know that's, that's the glass half full there is that he uh, immediately won uh, an MLS cup uh, with the Columbus crew. Uh, so again, we'll see. Um, I think again, the pattern though is very similar, right? Super rich people, they tend to be very smart. They tend to be confident, maybe overly confident in their ability to run a pro sports team. Um, and uh, time will tell, right? And hopefully in a few years, we'll look back on this move and say like, that didn't really change a whole lot in terms of the way that the Bucks were run and they continue to spend money and they continue to hopefully knock on wood and make pretty good decisions. Um, because again, I think, uh, and, and, and I will say this too, like the, the Cleveland report, the, the ESPN radio Cleveland guys. Um, I, I tweeted about this. We didn't, we, we don't need to go in detail, but there was at least reports that Jimmy Haslam would take over Mark Lazarus role as the team's governor, which is somewhat symbolic in a situation like this, but ultimately that governor has the final say and nothing can actually happen in terms of major decisions, even trades, things like that, unless the governor is signing off on it. Um, In 2017, during the sort of John Horst, Justin Zanuck, GM hire debacle, that actually was probably the one example where that could have actually been important. Wes Edens at the time was the governor and famously was not on board with Justin Zanuck. Um, So again, we'll see. I think, again, you'd probably, all things be equal, kind of wish that Wes Edens, given he's kind of the known quantity, would be the governor initially. But um, again, at least indications from that ESPN radio report was that Jimmy Haslam may be taking that over for the next year and a half in kind of Mark Lazary's stead since he's buying Mark Lazary's um, stake. But again, you know, is Jimmy Haslam going to come in and start, you know, making decisions that the other owners disagree with because he's just can't help himself. I wouldn't really expect that. Right. Um, and there could be aspects of an ownership agreement that might prevent that. But um, again, we don't know a whole lot. And so again, fans, us included, we're going to speculate but at this point, I think uh, you also have to just be realistic about kind of how far we can leap and, and how much we're, we're really able to speculate. So, again, hopefully in a few years, not much will have changed. The Bucks maybe have another banner or two. Um, mm-hmm. And if that happens, um, we'll all be probably be pretty happy and not really care a whole lot about who, who Bucks ownership is or was or uh, what, what decisions were
0: made there. But, uh, again, we, until it happens, we don't know. Well Well said. Alright, as I said, we'll be back in a couple of days time Hopefully the winning streak is still going Jump in the comments, subscribe, like the podcast All of that helps us, we appreciate it Frank and myself, catch you guys next time